Hello, hello. Welcome to the Town Hall Academy, the unquestioned leader as an aftermarket learning resource for a single subject topic audio workshop. Hey, you're going to be inspired by this Academy episode 150 as we talk about overcoming financial challenges with a business coach's perspective. There's this word out there that kind of irritates me. It says knowledge is power. And that's not true. Implementation of the knowledge is power. So don't just go to the classes and then brag to your buddies, I went to the class. Go to classes and do what's asked of you. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here, the Automotive Aftermarket Podcast Guy, and welcome to another great lesson on facing the challenges of running a great business. The Weekly Academy is brought to you by Shopware and Jasper. Hey, break away from your legacy SMS system. Now's the time to transform your shop and embrace Shopware shop management system. Shopware can show you the way to increase profits from happier customers and a more efficient staff. Visit shop-ware.com demo for a free preview. Hey, don't you love the new car smell? Well, no doubt a new vehicle may look and smell nice, but for sure they come with seemingly endless monthly payments, higher license fees, and higher insurance premiums. Now there's a better solution. Remanufacture components from Jasper. It means a new lease on life for your customer's trusted old friend. Hey, the focus in this last month of the year in much of the content library has been to take a deep dive and look introspectively at your profitability. We are pushing dialogue so much about fixing financial issues, labor rates, training, diagnostic fees, careers, bonuses, growing sales and quality, just to name a few. So please, please scour the content library and listen. Hey, do you know someone who is struggling to grow a great automotive service business? Well, please put them in touch with this podcast. I know they'll thank you as they find a treasure of insights, ideas, and best practices that they can use to make some bold decisions in turning around their business. Send them to remarkableresults.biz slash insider or just share this episode. Hey, right now we're serving up a strong discussion on financial challenges from a coach's perspective. Now with me is David Justice, Repair Shop of Tomorrow, Cecil Bullard of the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence, and Malin Newton, ESI, Educational Seminars Institute. Last week we tackled the same topic, but with three shop owners from their perspective. These are great bookend episodes that you'll enjoy and I know you'll learn something from. Like the last episode, had an extremely strong key takeaway. And if you do what the coaches say in this one, you'll have a way better 2020 than 2019. Hey, if you're in financial trouble, you are not alone. Please keep in mind that you can email me, karm at remarkableresults.biz, for anything at all. I'd be more than happy to help in any way with my network of shop owners and coaches and point you toward help. Town Hall Academy, uh, the Automotive Aftermarket Summit for the Forever Student. Good to have you here. Uh, we're doing a bookend from last week where we had three shop owners on and we talked about financial challenges to overcome from their perspective. And uh, as I was thinking very deep and hard about that one, I said, you know, I think we've got to get the coaches on to bookend what they talked about and see how similar what the shop owners are saying about their financial challenges and how the coaches see it from their perspective. And believe you me, the coaches have 
an unbelievable perspective to have. And um, let me see. David Justice is here. Repair shop of tomorrow. Good to see you, David. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Carm. Got it, man. Cecil Buller, the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Howdy, howdy. Hey, Cecil and Malin Newton, ESI Educational Seminars Institute. Hi, Malin. Good morning, everyone. Financial challenges to overcome uh, a coach's perspective. Uh, last week, I did. We published the episode, repurposed it, it came out yesterday. Some fabulous talking points. They were really on their game. I will share a few of those talking points as we go. But the guys, the, the coaches sent me some stuff that they wanted to talk about. And separately, they didn't collaborate at all. And guys, you really have a lot of synergies here. And I really want to jump into the one that I think stands out that every one of you talked about that you wanted to talk about, and that was managing labor, labor rates. Stop talking about price and let's get the labor rates right. So, guys, uh, let's start with you, David. Uh, let, let's get into this. Well, in, in my career, too, the, one of the biggest things, the biggest thing that, that changed for me is when I started to measure and manage the labor side of my business. Um, quite frankly, we have software management systems, and if you have the correct, correct matrix on your parts, uh, the labor side is, is, is really where it's all at. So we looked at productivity, efficiency, effective labor rates, labor profit, labor profit percentage, build hours per car, all of these things we need to look at on a daily basis, not at the end of the month when we're looking at historical data. We need to look at these things daily because, in essence, what do we really have uh, in our business uh, but the labor side other than the parts? It's that important, and we need to make sure our labor rate is the correct labor rate. You know, it prompts me to ask a question to all of you. Uh, when you take on a new client, is this the biggest uh, fix that you could implement in, in short term? There's some simple things that you do. Obviously, raise the labor rate. I think every shop owner will go up 5 to $7 without, a, without, a, without an issue, and no customer is going to notice that. And so as a coach, you know, you walk in, you say, raise the labor rate, put a parts matrix in place. I think parts margin is the easiest thing to manage because – you take the emotion out. Here's what the part costs. Here's how it works. And, and in essence, buy it or don't buy it. Um, you know, obviously there's got to be compassion and you got to have sales skills and all kinds of stuff. But I think the labor side is probably the hardest part to manage because productivity matters a ton here. And even though you may be, you know, um, $150 an hour and, and only paying out 50, which would be about right, you could actually pay out a little more. Um, if the productivity is down, then the cost goes up dramatically. So for, you know, for every hour that your guy doesn't produce today, you can't sell that. And if you're paying any kind of a salary or an hourly, your, your cost, your labor cost goes up dramatically. That, and, and I think you said, you know, um, effective labor rate. I think many shop owners don't understand that and how to manage that and what that means for their business. So is this seems to me, Malin, one of the uh, aha moments for a shop owner when he um, hires a coach or does the studying on how to become better at this is it, it, all these KPIs and, and, and efficiencies really shock them or, or are they just waiting for someone to walk them down the aisle? I think they're truly shocked because they don't track them. And, you know, I think the number one thing you have to overcome, you know, Cecil's right. We can go and raise the labor rate, change the pricing, 
matrix on the parts. But the biggest problem you have to get people over is the emotional part of the money. Because when you tell a shop owner, and a year ago in January, I asked a shop owner to raise his hourly rate, $5 an hour. As of today, he has not mm. for an entire year because he's already the most expensive shop in town and nobody will buy from me. I mean, all the excuses you hear. And last week on the phone, I said, let's just talk about how much money that cost you. $5 over the course of a year was, you know, forty-five dollars or $50,000 in net money. And they're so emotional about the money. They're actually thinking this is their money. So fixing it is not as easy as raising the hourly rate or changing the pricing matrix. It's getting them to think that I deserve it, first of all. What I'm doing is hard to do. And realize that Everybody else is getting paid. The doctor's getting paid. The attorney's getting paid. I know an attorney that charges $700 an hour. And what we do is every bit as difficult as what he does. The problem we run into is they get too emotional about it. That's the hardest part for me is getting the person out of them and make a business person out of them where it's, it's a business decision, not an emotional, these people are my friend. And my, my number one statement to all these people is you got to get paid for this, what you know not what you're doing. We get paid for taking nuts and bolts off. We got to get paid for this. And it doesn't matter whether you're fixing cars or running a business. This is where you make your money. It's, it's almost cultural too, because the, the, the techs don't think, you know, if we have a slow week, the techs think, oh my God, our labor rate's too high. The owner thinks, oh my God, our labor rate's too high. Instead of, it's a slow week. You know, I've been in the business, Malin and I, and I'm sure Dave, long time now, and we've had slow weeks. That's just how it goes. And it has usually nothing to do with what we're charging, but getting the owner to understand their value, what uh, being a shop owner, what providing the service that you provide, the tools, the knowledge, et cetera. And the value of that is probably the most difficult thing I think I have to do in my business. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with both of you on, on all points. One of the things that we try and do is to be able to show it to the dealer through using a program where we can actually measure and manage and they can see it. And then we create, you know, systems, no less than you guys, I'm sure, systems and operation procedure to where this is exactly how they price their jobs out. And, and once that starts to come about, the change quite frankly, financially, is immediate, the next repair order. So matrixing your labor, so on and so forth. And I know you guys are very familiar with that. It's dramatic, too, what the money can do for someone who's been struggling. I think cash flow is kind of one of the issues, too, because at the end of the month, we look at our checkbook. A lot of guys are running their business based on their checkbook, which is exactly incorrect. But at the end of the month, you look at your checkbook and there's some money in there. So you go buy something, you you know, buy that truck you wanted or, you know, that piece of equipment you need. And then your parts bill rolls in on the 15th. And now I got to pay a parts bill from last month. We had a great month last month, but I spent a lot of the money. So cash flow, this is a cash flow business, which I don't think necessarily is good for us uh, as an industry, because now we've got to really think about, you know, where that money needs to go and 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 where our expenses are. And most guys don't even they don't know what the numbers are. They just have Absolutely. no idea. I think one of the biggest detriments we have is, is I'd be honestly surprised if the four of us weren't in the same boat. We ended up in this business because we were good with our hands or we like cars. 
And then we had to learn the business side of it. And, you know, 90, probably 98% of the P&Ls that I look at on a regular basis that the company looks at on a regular basis are incorrect because they don't understand their own numbers. You know, you ask, what is your average repair order? What are the average hours per hour? They don't know because they're so focused on fixing cars that managing the business through the numbers, keeping score is foreign to them. They don't like to do that. And that's why we get a lot of frustrated husband and wife's teams. She's trying to pay the bills and handle the numbers and he's spending the money on tools and, and you know, the whiz bang 4,000 latest machine. And she's going, we have no money. He goes, how can it be? I did $500,000 worth of sales. Well, you did $500,000 worth of sales with no net profit and no incorrect gross profit, but he doesn't understand that. One of the biggest eye openers that classes that we do is we have a class called Business 101 for Employees. And we bring the employees in and teach them about the, the automotive shop business. And at the end of that class, most of them will know more than their owners do about the numbers. Because if you think about it, if I'm paying a technician, say, $20 an hour, and we're charging $150 an hour for an hourly rate, what's the technician thinks going in the owner's pocket? One of the things that we do in our calls, obviously, I'm sure you guys do too, is we hold them accountable through system operation procedure on those numbers. And the biggest thing I find, and I never have an issue with any client, if they don't have the education, because how do you know what to do? The, the gentleman last week uh, uh, talked about it as well. But once you get that education, once you have the system operation procedure to look at it daily, weekly, monthly, are you implementing it? And I think, Malin, that's what you talk, talked about earlier. Are you implementing? Are you following it so you can understand it? One of the big mistakes that is made by shop owners is they think that money is made fixing cars. Exactly. And it's not. Money is made with the pencil. Money is made by looking at what you're paying and what you're bringing in and making that work. Um, and, and my proof of money is not made fixing cars is there are tens of thousands of automotive shops out there fixing a lot of cars and making no money, no money, no, no profit, you know, 3% profit, 2% profit and working 80, 85, 90 hours a week. And, and I think my dad felt like that was what he had to do. But I say, I say today shop owners shouldn't feel that way. You should be able to work a normal business and make a good living. And that's the other thing about understanding self-worth. I don't think we understand what, what we're worth. You know, I had the washing machine repair guy come out, basically charged me about 300 bucks an hour and he has no tools. He has no building. He has no racks. He has no scanners. Um, the washing machine's a simple thing to fix. I could have fixed it myself, except I don't have time. I don't mind paying the washing machine repair guy 300 bucks an hour to get the washing machine fixed, but I really mind it that a shop owner can't charge $250 an hour, 300 bucks an hour, because they don't understand what the value of what they bring to the table, what they do. And it's an industry problem. It's not, it's an industry wide problem Absolutely. because while we have shops that are still 75 bucks an hour today, the other shops that are 150 feel like they can't go to 200. You know what though, Cecil, I, I resembled that guy you were talking about for many years, right up until I got the education. And that's, that's what I mean. You know, I think that's one of our challenges is to get out to as many people as we can and, and, and share that because once, once they have the education, the people that will implement, I mean, automotive is a great place to be today. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh yeah. For the guy that understands his business, oh. this is, where else could you, you know, um, 
I, I think it's a fantastic industry and the, and the um, opportunity coming up for the guys that really get it and run their business, you know, on a model with processes and procedures and understand the numbers. They're going to do fantastic. I have a lot of them as clients. They do great. So I have a gentleman, he's 33 years old. I called him yesterday. He's going to the tax man. I said, oh, that's a horrible thing. You're going to have to pay all this tax. He said, no, no. We gave him the book profit first. The other gentleman talked yeah. about it last week. He goes, Dave, it wasn't bad at all. I actually put in too much. I have extra money. How many times do you hear that? Yeah, I like the extra money. That's a great point to bring up. And, and I'm glad you almost segued, David, into what I wanted to say that the biggest takeaway last week from the owners was... We have to be better at budgeting and then it ended up being into the profit first or the old envelope or the jar, put the money in, you know, dad used to come home with the paycheck and cash it and they'd put money in envelopes and it's nothing different than what profit first really is, is, is have the obligations set aside so that you don't get in that kind of trouble. And that was one of their biggest takeaways is that they were very poor money managers. And you said that right up front, Cecil. I, I have a rule, and my rule is Cecil gets paid. That's the rule. I've had it for a very long time, and I think every owner that owns their business ought to get paid. I mean, Dave Ramsey's been teaching it for 25 years, and it's it's not a new concept. Um, we just need to budget, and we need to plan, and we need to charge what we're worth. So if you want to get paid, mail and it goes down to one of your talking points is that the owner needs to get paid. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. None of your employees are going to go to work if you don't pay them, right? But the guy with the most liability and the most responsibility doesn't get a paycheck. You know, Carm, I've had people walk up to me at trade shows with a roll of checks this big around. And their whole thing is, I want to cash these checks. $80,000, $90,000. And it's, I just can't imagine. I love what I do. But somewhere there's got to be a reward for it. Well, Somebody's got to pay me to schlep through the airports. And what happens is you get these owners that don't get paid and they're not excited about work again. And they resent their employees who are getting paid much better than they are. And then when you start talking to them why you're not getting paid, you know what they tell you? We can't do that. We can't change our pricing. And I tell everybody, you got to do the hard stuff. And some of it's not raising your prices. Some of it is holding your people accountable so you're productive, profitable. And we, we all want the easy way out. They're looking for the, well, I call it the magic pill. So my feeling is if the owner doesn't get paid, he's not going to be very happy to be at work. The magic pill you're talking about, Cecil, just show me how to get more cars in my shop. Often more cars is death and not life. Better average repair order, better inspections, uh, better management of the numbers, but you can't manage what you don't understand. I would say to all the listeners out there, go to some classes, mine, Malin's, uh, Dave's, you know, uh, there's, there's 40 good guys that, that teach a good financial class and at least understand the financial parts of your business. Well, and, and I think there's a part two to that. I agree hundred percent with that. Get some knowledge. I don't care where you get it from, but there, there's this word out there that, kind of irritates me. It says knowledge is power. And that's not true. Implementation of the knowledge is power. So don't just go to the classes and then brag to your buddies, I went to the class. Go to classes and do what's asked of you. 
whether you have a coach that holds you accountable or whether you're accountable to yourself or your spouse or your kids. We've all seen it. We've had guys in our classes for 10 years and they're in the same spot today as they were 10 years ago because they haven't implemented anything. That's a mentality issue though. That's a, I can go do it myself and save some money. And that's the wrong mentality to have in this industry. You know, uh, you look at, at um, uh, a, a shop owner that doesn't want to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save whatever I might pay a coach or a consultant and I'm going to do it myself. And 10 years later, they haven't done it. And what has it cost them? I would tell you in the average shop, there's probably at least a minimum of $140,000 that's being lost between margins and, you know, parts margins, labor margins, productivity, effective labor rate. In the typical average shop, that's probably doing seven, $800,000. It's just lost. And, and you can't have a mentality of I'm going to do the cheapest thing. And yet I want my customers to pay me a decent wage for what I do. So I agree with, with both you guys. I mean, think about, look at 20 groups. We call it community. You guys call it whatever you want. Look at the progress that happens through peers and, and the sharing and, and obviously the knowledge that you all bring are educating. But when you put that all together, it's success. And I think that's what we need to share with people. It's not for you to build your business, Cecil or, or Malin. It's, it's for all of the automotive you know, for all these guys that just don't have the education to come in and take those classes you're talking about, Cecil, to get that and then to implement it, to have someone to hold them accountable. When, when I think about Malin and I, when we were young, going to see Jim Hunt and then going back to the shop and making those changes and what value that's brought to my life, it, it's, it's, you can't price it. I mean, I've, I've literally probably made $2 million more than I would have made in my life because of uh, a, a few classes that I went, uh, a guy named Jim Hunt, who I have the utmost respect for. Um, you know, he, he passed, uh, but man, he, ch he changed my life and he changed my father's life and he's changed a bunch of other shop owners' lives through what I do out in the industry. And, and, and it, it's, it's life-changing. When your business runs well, it's life-changing. When you're, when you're struggling buck for buck, dollar for dollar, the stress of it is is just horrible, and your life is no fun. We always talk about it's fun to win. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's fun to win. The inherent problem I think that we have in our industry is that if everybody in the industry, from every shop owner, the one bay guy, with you know, basically it's him and himself, and that's it, to all of the trainers. If we would look at something a little differently, and we just go, what is best for the industry? What can we do to help the industry and lift everybody in the industry up? Everybody would be better about it. And uh, we, we need to focus on that. You know, we go to these training events and we go to, you know, these shows like vision and tools and all of that. And we need to think about how can I help all these people become better at what they do, help the industry. And I've always felt that if I help the industry, the industry will take care of me. The same thing in a repair shop. Amen. Help your customers, they'll take care of you. And we need to stop, you know, I call it posturing about what I want and go, what can I do to help the industry? And unfortunately, there are people out there that aren't helping the industry. They're lining their pockets. And, you know, it's very, it's very interesting because I'm sure 99% of all the coaches are teaching the same thing. 
it's the implementation of it that varies from person to person. And we can't make anybody do anything. You know, we've all heard this. Well, we didn't do it this way before, or my daddy didn't do it this way, or I can't afford to do that because if I do that, I'll lose all my customers. You know, that's our inherent kind of backwards mentality. We work on very high-tech automobiles, and we're very good at that. But in reality, the front office is very low-tech in the way they think. They're not progressively thinking, in my opinion. And that's not meant to offend anybody. It's just an observation of doing this for a very long time. That's the worst phrase you can hear in business. We've been doing it like this forever. And how's it working for you? They have to understand. the right thing, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that's the way it should be done. There's a better way out there. I've always been one of those people that like, if somebody knows something that's going to help me be better, I, I want it. I don't care what it is. I mean, I've got, and I'm sure all you guys do the same thing. I've got three or four different uh, mentors, consultants that I work with regularly uh, uh, to try and figure out something new, something uh, I don't know that's going to benefit uh, uh, my clients and therefore benefit the, in- benefit the industry. See, so uh, we call that being a fast follower. Yeah. Part, part of my sickness, as I call it, is when I was in North Carolina and we had a whole group of 22 people that went out to dinner, we're sitting in a restaurant and, and I'm looking around and somebody asked me, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm looking to see how many seats this restaurant holds. And they go, why? And I said, well, I was just kind of curious what their average repair order was and what their car count is. And they go, huh? this is a restaurant. I said, it doesn't matter. They have the same thing. And how fast can they turn the seats? And so we started talking. I said, see, I'm looking for how can I make my business better by what they're doing better? How do they serve this many people? What do they charge for this stuff? And they all looked at me like, you're weird. That's just the way my mind works. You know, I go to a racetrack. I went to an HRA race in Northern California. And I'm sitting in the stands and I'm asking questions. How many people will these stands hold? What do you think the average sale was? What do you think their merchandising sale is? And I'm adding it up and I'm going, wow, this is pretty good business. Most shop owners fix the cars and they go home. My mind, and much like I'm sure all of our minds, is how do I improve business in general? It doesn't matter whose business it is. It's about what, what can I learn from this business? How do I make it better? My, my wife thinks I'm nuts because I'm always doing the math wherever I'm at. If I'm at a, if I'm at a racetrack, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, this place holds, you know, 30,000 people. The ticket was this much. They're going to buy this much beer, this much. And, and, and I'm adding it all up and thinking about margin. And, and uh, you know, it's just how my mind works. When I go in a shop, I look at the base and I go, man, this shop should be doing $3 million. And you talk to the owner and they're doing a million too. And they got five guys. Every time I go and I pay $8 for a popcorn at Regal Cinemas, I say, (laughs) how come we can't get $200 in labor rate to, you know, to to make your car safe and reliable? Anyway. I got to make a comment. I just have to. Go. Um, I I was at a seminar and I was in the morning going to the the glass and I stopped at Carl's Jr. And I got breakfast, just a breakfast burrito combo thing. It was like 13 bucks. And, And as I'm driving away, I was like, I got to raise my labor rate. Holy <laughs> smokes, I got to pay for 13. They used to be six. Now they're 13 bucks. Everything's going up except for auto repair. And it wasn't that good. No, it wasn't. It wasn't very good at all. So. <laughs> you paid the convenience charge. 
Hey, Carm here, and I bet you think of your shop management system every day and wonder if it's time to make an important change, a change to a modern, efficient, and powerful system. Now, instead of thinking about your old system, I want you to consider Shopware, a comprehensive cloud-powered shop management system that gives your customers an end-to-end digital experience that will help you sell more services while making your customers happier. And who doesn't want happier customers? In a study of work orders written and shared on Shopware, sharing the digital work order with your customer generated a 12% increase in their likelihood to buy. Now, that translates to additional sales in your business. And with Shopware's proprietary parts GP optimizer, you can boost your parts margin with the click of a button and leave behind the pain of managing an old parts matrix. Put solid gross margin dollars back in your business because Shopware puts huge computing power into making you successful. Now it's time. Make the switch to Shopware. Get a free live demonstration at shop-ware.com and find out how you can make more money from happier customers. Okay, your customer's engine or transmission has failed, but now is not the time for them to trade their vehicle. Not without a working engine or transmission. Besides, would they have kept their vehicle another three to five years if their engine or transmission had not let them down? Well, if you answered yes, then Jasper Engines and Transmissions is your choice to give your customer's vehicle new life and many thousands of miles of enjoyable driving performance. When considering the high cost of a new or newer used vehicle, there's a pretty good case to be made for your customers to replace a drivetrain component that has failed or is delivering poor performance, rather than trading their car, truck, van, or SUV. Install a quality remanufactured Jasper product for less than your customer would have to invest in a different vehicle. Go to jasperengines.com to learn more about the money-saving value of Jasper. Guys, I got to say, this has been great, great so far. And if my, my only wish is that we can get to one person when we, you know, either this weekend or, you know, as we republish this next week and people will listen to this and, and let it absorb all the great wisdom that you're sharing. And, and maybe we can change, as we all say, and lift a couple of lift, lift a couple of ships. You know, I took away from this last segment a, a very important key thing, and that was the accountability partner thing. And do you think, guys, as coaches, that that is one of the most resistant elements that the shop owner who should be really involved in a 20 group, a community group, a, a, a smart group, a, a consultant and a coach, is that just don't want to be pushed in a direction that's uncomfortable for them? Carm, I think for me um, and what I experience a lot out there when we're out on the road, um, people are prideful. You know, there's a lot of time when people just say, you know, I I can do this. And they just keep, they don't want to ask for help. And, and, you know, uh, I was that guy for a long time. And Cecil says he has multiple mentors as well as Malin. I'm sure he does as well as I do. But you know what? There's a reason why there's folks out there and they can help you. Don't be too prideful to say you don't know it all. I think that's a big part of it. I think that, um, you know, like, I've been doing this 25 years and I've, I've never gotten quite where I need to be. Do I really want someone to tell me I've been doing it wrong for 25 years? And, and maybe I don't really want to find out. Maybe I, you know, I, I know shop owners that look at their business and they go, this is all there is. And I'm just going to have to hang out here and do what I can do uh, and struggle for the rest of my life. I, I'm not willing to do that. I, I want to know what the guy down the street is doing that is making his shop successful. And obviously 
consulting companies, you know, good consultants and 20s groups um, will give that to me. I was looking at, we, I just did a big 20s group, um, our largest. And uh, one of the shops in there was a hundred bucks an hour restoration. And, you know, everyone else in the room is 145, 150 and they're restor- restoring Bentleys and other stuff. And we're just like, you, 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 I have a shop in Southern California, it's a restoration shop. We start, when I started with them, they were $97 an hour. We just went to 216 a year and a half later and they're busier now than they've ever been because it, it also created value for the client, right? Um, I, I just think we need to find out whatever we need to find out and, and the pride thing has to go away uh, and seek knowledge and then impl- implement it, as Malin says, and, and whatever it takes. You know, if I need somebody to hit me with a two by four once a week over the head uh, uh, to get the job done, then I'm gonna hire somebody to hit me with a two by four uh, because that the job is to, is to have a good life and, and make a wage that allows you to have a good life uh, uh, because pretty soon you got the white hair and, and, and things are getting towards the end. Uh, it goes fast. Well, one of the things we talk about is getting your head right. Because yeah. I know that you guys, coaching with your clients, when you get someone that is motivated, wants to learn, wants to implement, and, and really is, is craving for that hunger, and then things start to happen, that's what we'd like to talk about. It's fun to win. Because when you put those systems, operation, procedures together, together, excuse me, and then you implement it and it starts to work, all of a sudden, that, that vision starts to come to the auto, uh, auto repair person that says, I can do this. Somebody, somebody that's excited and motivated about being successful in their company, you can't, you can't hold them back. There's nothing you can do to keep them from being successful because they're going to do, I, I, this, I've got, I'm always thinking, I'm like, I know Malin and I, we're like almost twin brothers from another mother. Um, I'm always thinking, you know, why are some shop owners better than other shop owners? Why do some people get better results? And I think it's this idea that I just decided I'm not going to go for the old stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to learn whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical and, and, and be successful within my business. And then they, they throw their pride to the side. They go get a, a consultant. They, they make the changes. And once they start seeing success, the, the, it's, it's, that's what I live for as, as a coach, as a consultant is seeing people change their lives, spend time with their families, have, amen you know, have a a real life outside of their business. It's very interesting. I think our industry is kind of surrounded by a, a, an ugly retainer that's keeping people from being successful. And it's a pretty simple word. It's called ego. If we could let go of our egos and stop trying to be all things to all people and just go, Hey, that's a great idea. Let me try it. And I ran into this, you know, uh, way back when, when we first learned how to set our hourly rate, I worked for a guy, great guy, very progressive, very, you know, he sent us to training and, and I came back and I said, Hey, look, you know, we looked at our hourly rate and we need to do this and we need to change our hourly rate. And you know what he told me? We can't do that. We can. And what was funny was, even though I could show him the math of why we need to do it, he wouldn't do it. So me being a follower I wrote every estimate at the higher rate. I just charged more money. I didn't tell him I was doing it. Since I wrote most of the estimates, you know, next thing I know, he's out there going, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? I don't understand what you're saying. What are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything. 
He goes, I know you're doing something because there's more money in the bank account. Why? I said, well, remember the conversation about raising the hourly rate and we need to do that. And you said we couldn't do that because nobody would buy it and we'd get nothing but complaints and, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Well, I've been doing it for six months. And he stopped and goes, you, you can't do that. And I said, okay, I will stop then. And he walked away, he took two steps. He walked away, he turned around and said, never mind, do whatever you want. But he was so afraid. And it's just a matter of selling value, selling the benefits of doing business with it and being confident in it. But you see that everywhere. I, th- I think it's more than, than ego. I, I think, uh, as Malin says, it's fear. I'm afraid if I raise my rate, I'm going to lose my customers. I'm afraid if I manage my staff and, and require them and, and hold them accountable for what they're doing, I'm going to lose staff. And, and man, you know you can't replace staff today. Oh, my God. So we got to accept crappy performance, uh, 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 and, and you can't put any pressure on the staff. And, th- and that couldn't be so far from the truth. Um, we, we need to stop living our lives in fear in this industry and start living our lives in, in future. In uh, this is what's possible. This is what is obtainable. And you only have to look at certain shops to, to go, I, if they can do it, I can do it. I have to tell you, I wrote this down, guys. Fear makes you stupid. And thank you. <laughs> thank you, Cecil. In fact, I've actually done a for-the-record rant on that exact subject. So I th- thanks for nailing it. There's an interesting study done on farmers, and uh, there's a whole, a whole book about it. And, and when they're harvesting, they're rich. And when they're in the middle of the season, when they're not harvesting, they're poor because they, lo- you know, they borrow money during the season, then they pay it off when they harvest, and, and that's the, the cycle. When they make decisions during the harvest, they make better decisions. When they make decisions when they're broke, they make poor decisions. So, you know, when we think in a broke mentality, and there's some great books on that, <clears throat> we actually hurt ourselves because we don't make good decisions. We make bad decisions. And we need to be making the best decisions about our businesses. It's everything. And for success. Yes. Right. Well, and and understand favorite? that you can get it. Uh, believe that you can be successful because this is a great industry. One of my favorite books is You're Broke Because You Want to Be by Larry Winget. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you think about that title and you go, no, I don't. But you, mm-hmm. the actions, the follow through, create that where you're, you're not making good decisions. You're absolutely true, Cecil. And sometimes when we have money, we don't make very good decisions. But um, we got we to gotta change the way people think. And, and I think that, that's at the core. I think that's really at the core of the whole thing. And, and people don't think that the automotive industry is, has a value because we've actually created our own problems. I mean, you think about what's advertised. We advertise price and we give stuff away very cheaply. We're working on very sophisticated vehicles. You know, an F-150 has more lines of code than a 787 Dreamliner now. And I've flown that plane, and it terrifies me to think the F-150 has more lines of code in it because it's on ground level, and I'm 35,000 feet above the ground. But the bottom line is we're not selling the value of what we're doing. We're just dumb car guys. Yeah, we don't believe in the value of what we what we right. bring to the table. I mean, um, it, it, not everybody can fix a car correctly. I mean, we see this all the time. If we own a shop, we, we, we fix other people's mistakes. And, and there's a value in being able to fix a car correctly today. And the knowledge that we need to do that, our industry's probably $100 behind the labor aid curve. 
you know, why can't we attract good, good technicians into our industry? Well, it's not glamorous and I don't, I can't get paid. Um, you know, uh, I, I see new techs coming in at 14, $16 an hour. You can, they, they can't even they have to live in mom's basement and, 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 and they can't buy tools. Um, we can't do this anymore or our industry is going to collapse in on itself. And, and, and you know what? There's going to be some shops that come out of that really great, smelling great. They're going to buy up all the other crap because um, the cars have to be fixed. So Cecil, one of the things we always talk about is like three, three legs to a stool, the education system, operation procedures, what we need to do, looking at KPIs, communication, how do we touch the right client with predictive marketing to bring that right client in, and then implementation, how do I do it all the time? In other words, consistency. Yeah. And, and there are guys out there teaching, take everything, and that's not what you want as a shop owner. You, you also have to learn that not everybody's your customer. And if you try to fit a square peg in a round hole, you're going to have a very unhappy peg. Um, and you're going to be unhappy because you, did, you couldn't make the living. Um, we need to stop trying to be all things to all people. We need to understand what we have as a business and what we have to offer and go after the people that want what we have. And, and not be afraid to do it. That's the key. Yep. Make a decision, run Get with it, it. Get it done. And, and go 100%. Don't, you know, throw 5% of your effort into it and go, it didn't work. Well, you can't. You, a lot of that. And, and by the way, you know, what, what, what do successful people do? They fail. And they fail again and they fail again until they succeed. And in the middle, they don't go, oh, geez, I guess I just have to accept crap for the rest of my life. Um, there's a, you know, if failure, if failure were, were, um, were dollars, I'd, I'd be a much wealthier man. Uh, I resemble I that too. Yeah. Um, and we got to quit thinking of it as we, we need to think of it in terms of, of learning and not in terms of, oh, I'm a failure. Hey, there's a comment that came up. He says, Robert O'Connor uh, proclaimed 20 years ago that we need to replace the word labor with service charge. I've told this to trainers. I get a cross-eyed look. Kind of like talking to cows. The gentleman who had his appliance repaired, Cecil, were you charged labor or service? I was charged an overall bill and I knew what the part cost. Um, I don't think it meant, I mean, I, there are some coaches, they're very um, fixated on the words that you're actually using. I need to help my customer understand that what I'm selling them is of value. And whether I call it service or labor or, or I charge for the overall job, however I do it. And by the way, I, I think you should charge for the job. I used to have people say, well, how much, how much, um, you know, it's, it's going to be $450. Well, how, how, how much time is that? It's $450 worth, right? I mean, the job's the job. Um, and, and, and I think when we get tied into, oh, I said the wrong word, like I said labor, I think that's a mistake. I mean, labor works. People do it all the time. And maybe service is a better word, and maybe service is a better word for some people and, and not for others. There's no doubt that there's some semantics going on with the language that we use in today's episode that went out, with which was my YouTube panel discussion, part two. We got into a very interesting and lengthy discussion between the words diagnostics and testing. And you're all shaking your heads and saying, yeah, I get that. You've got to go listen to that to, to that episode. It was it was excellent. Now, look at this was unbelievable. What a Christmas gift to the industry. 
What a holiday gift to the industry. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope we each can claim credit for turning one individual around and, and saving one, one company and a whole bunch of jobs. Um, let, let's go around the room. David, I'll start with you. We'll end with Cecil. Any final words? Sure. Just uh, for me, one of the you had an episode on pivots. And when we talk about education, mine was uh, getting involved with the NAP Auto Care Program. And it allowed us to get our training, okay, for us to be able to go there and get the education. So what I mean is by partnering up with a vendor that allowed us to have so many more opportunities than to do it by ourselves, and then to get into communities or 20 groups or being coached with other folks and learning about that is where in my career early on is how I progressed to go out and get the education. So I highly suggest that people have the opportunity to, if you will, partner up with quality programs, vendors that can really help you, whether it be from phones to traveling to renting cars. I mean, there's just so many different things, but take the opportunity. And then when you have that opportunity, grab the stuff, go to the training, implement what they teach you and move your business forward. Cool, David. Thank you. Um, partnering is something I was really big on in my earlier days, and uh, it, it didn't matter what kind of partner you could find. If it was a vendor partner, it was a peer partner, a coaching partner. And, and I love the word partnering and partnerships. Thank you for that. Malin? I think the most important things you can do if you want to move your company forward is understand your numbers and seek as much knowledge as possible and then implement the knowledge. Don't get fixated on one person, one thing, one concept. Keep your eyes open. You know, come to lunch with me and we'll talk about how much that restaurant does and what their average repair order is and the car count. And understand that every business can be a benefit to your business if you just keep your eyes open. And get rid of the fear and get rid of your ego and stop trying to be somebody else. Just be the very best you you can be and figure out how do you make that work for you. Because, you know, here's the thing. I can't be anybody else. I'm just going to be the very best male and I can. Love me, hate me, I don't care. But the bottom line is your business needs to be the same way. Make it the very best it can be and what works for you. And by the way, it's coming close to the new year. Your labor rate needs to go up at least the cost of living. At least the cost of living automatically every year without any hesitation. And if you're not set properly, it needs to be set properly. And figure out the number side of your business so you can measure it. And that's a big part of being successful is understanding where you're lacking and moving forward with it and get somebody to kick your butt when you need it. Everybody needs somebody to hold them accountable. Everybody. Thanks for the opportunity to be here, Carm. So glad to have you here. It's amazing how we are all so similar when it comes to the observation of the world around us. And, you know, how you can take that restaurant and, you know, ka-ching it in your head and trying to figure out the math inside of it. And, and, uh, ka-ching? Yeah, ka-ching. And, and, you know, and me standing in a, in a line waiting to get served and Ann and I looking for the shortest line in the place and having it be a kind of a fun thing. And then thinking, um, are our customers waiting at four o'clock in the afternoon as they're picking up cars and how do they feel? Cause I know how I felt, you know, that, you know, my time is so valuable. So being able to bring real life into your own world, um, in, into your own business is one of the biggest takeaways here. Thank you, Malin. Cecil, I'll give you the last word. I had a, a, a couple of, uh, potential people come into a group meeting, had 18 other shop owners in the meeting. Um, they wrote probably 14 pages of notes throughout 
And uh, at the end, when they were invited to come in, they said, I can't afford the $550 a month to be a member. And I thought to myself, holy crap, go home and raise your, raise your labor rate five bucks an hour so that you can get all this great knowledge. I mean, they literally were overwhelmed by all the things they heard. And, and so my, my comment is twofold. First of all, you have to change the way that you're thinking. You have to say, I need that information there because that information is going to change my life and whatever it takes, that's what I'm going to get. Uh, if I got to get a second job, I'm going to pay for this so that my business can be successful and successful without me working 90 hours a week. And uh, uh, the second thing is um, look for partners and places where you can be, where you can get that knowledge and don't get overwhelmed by everything. Pick one thing and get it changed in your business at a time. Um, and if you're going to raise your labor rate five bucks an hour, raise it seven because the pain is going to be the same. It's not painful for your customers. It's only painful for you. They don't care. They don't know. The buyers are going to buy and the not buyers are not going to buy. And I'm going to say thank you, Carm, because you are partnering in the industry. And to be able to do something like this and help the industry is extremely beneficial. I love uh, being here and being able to share what I've what I've got. Thank you so much, Cecil. I appreciate that. Hey, good guys. Uh, I can't think of a, of a better, you know, year end discussion that we had that I believe will push uh, our, our, our successful shops into being and continuing to be there and our medium success guys to say, I got to take it to the next level and the guys that are struggling. And I'm not sure I like that word, but come up with a different word that describes someone who, you know, is in a bad state of limbo, uh, and is struggling. And hopefully this, this year end episode will help them. Thank you so much to David justice repair shop of tomorrow, Cecil Bullard, the Institute for automotive business excellence and Mayla Newton, ESI educational seminars, Institute. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.